When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
uh, on their own, and they've done most of the season. Got a, a nice contribution from several big men. Well, in, in, in looking at the uh, Vanderbilt game on Saturday and the Florida game uh, last night, basically it, it's uh, – my English teacher would be proud, but it's like Charles Dickens in A Tale of Two Cities, the best of times and the worst of times. Basically, we can see last night that when the, the big men provide – and they played very, very well. And it started with Scal Lebissier getting going early. And uh, AP messed around and got a double-double last night. But if the big men bring us anything, and, and I don't even think they played that great, uh, particularly on defense, we gave up a lot of dunks. But if they bring us anything, this team is difficult to beat. Now, looking at the Vanderbilt game, where it was Jamal Murray and Tyler Ulis had a off night, a rare off night, you see what happens. Murray can put up the numbers, but the Cats aren't going to win. But I think Just like after last night's Ohio game, State. yeah, and after last night's game, you look at Scal and you say, okay, we finally have found how to use him. He's not a back-to-the-basket player. You can do the pick-and-roll where he can hit that 12-foot jump shot, which I think is very good uh, for the way we run our offense. And, and, uh, and if Poitras brings us anything and if Lee gives us energy without fouling, I think that's a good thing moving forward. Uh, so you have to be encouraged with the way they played last night, uh, getting out to that lead in the first half. Florida fought back, uh, but then the Cats were able to stretch out that lead uh, in the second half, which is something I actually tweeted out uh, during the game last night, is even in those losses that we've had, we've had the lead in those games. And it comes down to if you're up, Six points, do you have what it takes to stretch that six-point lead to 12 or 14? And if you get up to 14, can you get the stops? Can you score enough to get it out to 18? And we have seen in the Ohio State game, in the UCLA game, in the LSU game, uh, you know, even in the Auburn game, where we've had the opportunity where we were either within a couple of baskets or only up by a couple of baskets, not able to really get that separation. Uh, but we've seen it. We, we, we've seen it last night. And that's a, I think a good sign moving forward. Uh, again, we have to keep in mind that's our last true road game of the year. Uh, so a lot of folks worried about the road woes, we don't have to deal with that. They're, they're neutral courts, and if the Cats, uh, if their tournament run goes through uh, Louisville, then obviously that is not <laughs> what you would consider a neutral environment. So I'm really encouraged uh, by what we saw last night. Definitely want to see the Cats uh, play hard and win on Saturday. But uh, like I said, the, the Vanderbilt game is kind of – how this team can lose, and last night's te- is how this team can win. Yeah, I, I tweeted out midway through the second half 
big man at that time had somewhere along the line 21 points and 19 rebounds and four blocks. Uh, I'm talking about Alex Scal, Humphreys, and Marcus Lee. Gary uh, Willis didn't play, but they finished up with 32 points and 29 rebounds and five blocks from your power forward center position. And we, we've been just hoping for something. How many games have we heard? Cal in the post game, you know, big guys, no show. We, we go back to the LSU game, like you mentioned Ohio State where Murray's lighting it up, but not getting any help. Murray and Euless doing their thing consistently game in and game out, sometimes not getting any help. Um, if if the bigs can co- collectively, consistently give you this type of effort, uh, I mean, I mean, you, you see 88 points on the board, so offensively it's not a problem. And, and Euless and Murray don't have to go out of heavy lifting. That's basically what all we've been asking for. I mean, sure, none of these guys are going to go out and be AD and, and, and bring tons of points and blocks single-handedly. But collectively, when you're in there, do something. Like this, Scal, I mean, 11 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, we were hoping for that from the 4 and 5 spot, much less just from Scal. And then when you add up what all four of those guys did and bring – Derek Willis back into the mix, whether he's at the three or the four or whatever, then you can see uh, the potential for a real run. You, you, you want to, you know, you wonder is it possible? Can they consistently do it? Every team is flawed. It's hard to, at some points this year to see any team winning six in a row in the tournament. Somebody's going to. Uh, when you get this kind of production, uh, it makes it a lot easier to see uh, Kentucky getting things right and, and peaking at the right time uh, when they do what they did last night on the road. You mentioned it, Boom New, the dude from Florida. Uh, like you said, they didn't they didn't give up a lot of didn't provide a lot of resistance at the rim. But that dude was every time he looked up, he was dunking. Um, and there's a UK dunk counter on Twitter. I probably followed you as well that keeps track of all the Kentucky dunks. If there was a Florida dunk counter last night. Igbunu was keeping them busy by himself. So uh, maybe we can provide a little more resistance at the rim next time out. But offensively, you got to like what you saw out of Kentucky Big last night. Yeah, and we're to the point now, and I just retweeted an article by John Rothstein. He's a college basketball insider for CBS Sports where he is is he's on the – train like I've been saying for a while that Euless and Murray are the best backcourt in the nation there have been other flashier backcourts like at Oklahoma and Maryland but save for you know Euless having an off night against Vandy uh, shooting uh, these guys have been bringing it every single night when you look at the issues we've had with the big men like we've talked about they, they haven't always been consistent and it's really been those two plus Briscoe. And I, I think Briscoe catches a lot of flack for whatever reason from the fans. We talked about this with Courtney Dozer last week. Um, the three of those guys, that's a solid backcourt rotation. When you look at what they do and how well they play together, absolutely the best backcourt in the nation. Is there another point guard that anybody trusts more than Tyler Ulis? No. 
I, I don't think there is. And when you look at the, as far as scoring output, when you look at the list of, of Kentucky folks that Jamal Murray is uh, joining, I mean, uh, he's getting close to that 20-point-per-game plateau. He's at 19.9. Uh, that's rarefied air. Anytime a U.K. player gets on a list with Dan Issel, you know that you're seeing something special. And he's been much more efficient than I think people give him credit for. It's not as if he's getting the 20 to 25 shots every single time. He's not. He's been very effective, and a lot of that has to do with Ulyss and, and the offense. But between the two of them, plus Briscoe, that's a pretty good guard lineup. And, and we all know the old saying that, you know, guards are what help win in March. And I feel very confident going into the postseason with the guards that we have. And Briscoe's quietly gotten you, you know, around 10 points a night. He's consistently done that as well. Like you said, he, he, he catches a lot for being left open and, and not hitting outside shots, which he did last night. Uh, catches a lot for missing free throws, which he didn't do much of last night. But talk about going in among the trees and getting buckets, he's done that all year. It doesn't matter. Left hand, right hand, degree of difficulty, uh, slashing and, and taking contact and finishing, there's nobody better on the team. Yeah, and I wrote this article for Wildcat Blue Nation, I believe it was in December. This team is flawed, no doubt about it, without a, a, a big yeah. man. And we've all lamented not having Dakari on this team and how much of a, a benefit that would be. But this team is flawed, but so is every other team in the country. And mm-hmm. if we get anything from the big like we did last night, totally different you know, this team is, is is outstanding. You know, I saw Kentucky fans talking about, you know, when Florida made the run to close it at the end of the first half, you know, how poorly we play on the road. And I'm thinking, did you see us play at Kansas? Did you see the Texas yeah. A&M game? I know, you know, I mean, we won the Texas A&M game, you know, without that technical foul. I mean, that's – and Kansas was a winnable game. If you give Tyler Ulis the ball with nine seconds left in tie ball game, nine times out of ten, he's going to make the right play. That night he did not. But in a similar situation, I'm always going to bet on him. So those are two games that it could have gone the other way. Uh, these cats, they, they have to play well. The margin of error that we have is not what we played with last year. The only way no. – Wisconsin had to play their best game to beat us, and they did. They happened to play their best game. We happened to not play a great game. It happened. This year's team, they can play a a great game, but, you know, there's some bounces we have to get for a deep run. So it's not, you know, we don't have that margin for error like we're used to having, but this team can absolutely win four straight in in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. I, I don't see why not. Uh, if, the, if the tweak was to get Scal going, 
which happened last night, uh, I feel great. And then once we get out of the SEC, away from SEC officials, I feel even more confident uh, that we won't be in such foul trouble in, in, the, in the lineups and the rotations will stay consistent. I feel absolutely great going into the tournament, not even knowing what our seed or what the road to another Final Four would be. I feel confident. I mean, have, have my, I tell people, have you seen Jamal Murray shoot? Why would you not be confident in that? Number one, he doesn't need a lot of space. And number two, he gets his shot up and away very, very quickly. Uh, why would you not have confidence in that? And he's kind of taking the keep it simple approach. Uh, he toned down his game a little bit, you might say. Remember, uh, he would kind of over-penetrate early in the season, try to go in and, and take high-degree difficulty shots. You know, he didn't, you wouldn't think this, but he was playing like, you know, you get more points if you go in, little double pump, lean, take a bump, finger roll, put some English. And now, you know, you know, baseline to baseline, run off screens, he's curling on them like Reggie Miller. He'll still hit that mid-range, and the dumper is just pure. Like you said, it's efficient. He kind of simplifies some things. Uh, there's times where him and Cal were kind of knocking heads a little bit, or Cal would have to be, you know, chewing his butt a little bit for trying to make the super play every time. But you, you've seen him kind of tone it down, and the jumpers is locked in, uh, and he's just been rolling. And, and here's the thing. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When people say Cal can't coach, look, and I think it's true, Jamal Murray, wherever he went, he would still be an NBA uh, quality player. But look at his maturation. Look at what he was doing at the beginning of the year that he's not doing now. That's, that's development. I mean, that's, that's coaching. That's more than just rolling the ball out. He's a much better player now than he was even when he was looking great in November and December. I tweeted this out last night, and I believe it. I said, look, if, if Cal can get this team to a Final Four, can we collectively say as the Big Blue Nation – not to complain about anything until March. Yeah, I mean, obviously, and the thing is, we joke when Cal said he's going to tweak it. But when he does his tweaking, generally ends up as a pretty good deal for us. So I'm not going to make fun of it. Cal talks, and it's all, a lot of times, it's Cal speak. 
But I'm not going to make fun of the tweak because tweaks mean Final Four runs, and I'm okay with that. So if he can get this yeah. team to Houston, just wow. Uh, I'm I'm going to stop. I don't even doubt him now, but I won't even say anything <laughs> with another Final Four battle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's. I mean, I'm going to pull it up here in a little bit, but uh, it's hard not to just get caught up in the moment or think the last game played, which, you know, sometimes there is some truth to you're only as good as your last game, but you you can't just say, well, this is as good as it's going to be or that last game is the ceiling. Sometimes it is, but, you know, that we've seen it too many times where, where, you know, Cows had dominant teams, you know, last year, 2012, 2010. Uh, and then we've seen teams that kind of hop along and, and wobble along. And then uh, just when you think they're out of time, there you see them putting together a strong run, you know, 2011, 2014. Uh, so we, we've seen it happen both ways. This is following along more of the 2011-2014 kind of path. Uh, and, I mean, there might be a year when it is just a Sweet 16 and out. But still, there, there's, there could be another run to the Final Four where you just don't see it coming because you just, oh, people write them off. You know, talking to fans, oh, oh I don't, oh, no, they got it. Looking ahead to next year. Two weeks ago, we've heard them say that. We've seen people tweet that. You know, and we knew the team was flawed. You mentioned it. We all know it. Everybody is. I mean, and and people saying it now. They can they can lose the first weekend. They could be playing in the final game, and anywhere in between. Either way, I mean, everything. No, I mean, just just roll with whatever happens. Uh, still can be you know, all right with the season after it's over, even if it doesn't end up the way we want it. I mean, it's just funny how people just jump off and get that instant gratification. I'm done. They're up. It's over. They're not going to do it. Just because they don't gel the first game after Midnight Madness, they're not dominating and going, you know, <laughs> running rough out over people. And, and here's here's my thing that I wish we – as Kentucky fans would say. Number one, I don't think these kids are being selfish. It takes a while to gel. And I don't think it's a matter of them not hustling, and I see people tweet out, this team has no heart. I just think sometimes the team doesn't play well. I mean, that's just – that's basketball. And it's a process. Because what, what we're seeing now with Duke is – it's not as easy as we thought to get highly uh, a high recruiting class and just throw them out there and have them become dominant. It's just not that easy. And it takes teams a while to find their identity. Again, I think I've said this on every edition of this show, a, a team has to have an identity to be successful. And once, Cal and the staff and the team realized, okay, this is going to be a guard-heavy team. We need Jamal Murray to score 20 points a game. 
We need Tyler Eulis to dominate the ball. This is what we need. We're going to need those guys in Briscoe to carry the team, which has been different from other Cal teams. Even with John Wall and Eric Bledsoe, that backcourt didn't dominate as much as these guys have had to by necessity. Yeah. When you yeah. realize we we don't have even in 2011 with Jorts, you could give him the ball on the post and he could make a play consistently. We don't have that this year. So the guards have had to carry more of the load than usual. And this is why Cal is the best, in my opinion, because he adjusts on the fly. He admits, I was using Scal wrong. Now we know what we're doing. You know, you've got Murray running on those staggered screens. You get that motion up top where you let Tyler Eulis play on the ball, off the ball, always poking and prodding the defense. That's the that's what you need. How many coaches in America would have a kid like Derek Willis sit around for two years, you know, give him spot duty, finally have enough faith to say, okay, I'm going to go with you. Let and we see Willis has become invaluable to this team. How many coaches in America would 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 do that? Not a lot. And that's what I like about Cal. He's going to figure it out. I don't know how, you don't know how, but I believe he will figure it out. So with a healthy Willis and with Scal finding his group, I like this team heading into the postseason. Definitely. And um, you mentioned the the genius of Cal or, or Cal speak with the tweets and all that. You don't want to make fun of it. <laughs> and the the thing with you know, falling on the sword for Scal. I'm not using him right. Whether he believes that or not, or, you know, he said it. What coach says that to probably, in his mind, take pressure off of Scal? Because, you know, he was pressing and uh, he's not been going out there game in, game out, trying to play bad, trying to be out there without confidence. That's not what he's you know, out there trying to do. But that's just another way of trying your best to help him in every button possible to get him going. And, you know, he said that, that's been a month or two ago, you know, when he said that at uh, his halftime interview. So whether he believed it or not, he still said it, and, you know, what coaches wouldn't even do it. Uh, that's part of, you know, the cow speak or cowism is, I think, you know, the same way as a tweak, whether it is a tweak or not, or as some refer to it, it might be just, you know, mental uh, rejuvenation and things like that, more so than X's and O's and, and tactical type stuff. Whatever it is, uh, we've seen it work more often than not uh, this time of year. Yeah, and, and by that same token, after the – what game was I at? The, I can't remember the last game, who, what, Alabama game, and, and someone asked him about, you know, Marcus Lee and, and – and, no, it was Al, Alex Coyther. And, and Cal says that he tells his players, if, if you don't want to be great, 
I won't expect that out of you, and I'll ask somebody else to do it. Coaching as well. So this this notion, and I, I still don't understand how it has become gospel that Cal just rolls the ball out. It, it, it's not true at all. I mean, at all. Yes, he's had talented players. But when you look at coaches that have been on runs like he's on, they've all had talented players. Look, I tell people, you look at John Wooden in his nine championships in a row, okay, or 11 or 10 or whatever, 10 I think it was. For six of those years, he had Lou Alcindor followed up by Bill Walton. If you were doing a Mount Rushmore of college basketball players, they are both up there. (laughs) Okay? I mean, he had – and you look at Coach K's run. Yeah, Christian Leitner didn't pan out in the NBA, but in college, he was unreal. Grant Hill was unreal. Bobby Hurley. If you're talking point guards, he's on that Mount Rushmore. So, yes, he's had talent but so have other coaches that have won as well. So, yes, you have to have talent to win, but you have to be able to motivate that talent, get that talent to become a cohesive unit. And that's what we have right now. This team, they're finally they're fighting for each other. They have trust in each other. Euless and Murray and Briscoe, they will, they're, they're giving the ball to the big men. There, there's that there's that trust that has come back. So heading into the postseason, as we're looking at Senior Day on Saturday, and then as I call it, the University of Kentucky Invitational next week. Most people call it the SEC <laughs> tournament, but I call it the UK Invitational. Looking at that, I, I like where this team is. Uh, there's not a point guard I trust more than Tyler Ulis. There's not a, a, a player with the game on the line who I want shooting the ball more than Jamal Murray or Euless. I mean, you've got two guys that, uh, which I think gives us options in close games. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And even if this team falls short of the final four, the one thing that frustrates me more than anything is when a team doesn't come close to their potential. And I'm not talking like last year, losing the Final Four. I mean, that team, 38-1 is great. I'm talking about a team that, you know, let's say 2014, we lost in the first round to Kansas State. Or we got blown out by Wichita State, you know, in the second round. I enjoy seeing teams reach their potential. And maybe this team's potential is a Sweet 16 team. But I'll know yeah. that Cal did everything he could to get them to that point, and and that I'm okay with that. I, I really am. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Take us a quick break, and on the other side, I just got the rosters pulled up for 2014 and this year, and just kind of a little quick compare and you know contrast. Uh, both of those teams have kind of you know took some lumps. And we remember what happened in 2014, how uh, despite all the lumps being taken, we remember the run they went on. Uh, It's the same thing in the works for this team. Listen to Cat Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy and Terry Brown, Brown and Hardy Radio Network. 
blogtalkradio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. Like the Facebook page, so 
appreciate that. Yes, I'm, I'm glad that the, you know, because I remember when we first started out, and it was basically just this you and I talking to each other. So I appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen live and and listen to the uh, podcast on iTunes. I certainly uh, appreciate that. Yeah, and. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pushed out again. Arguably, uh, you may disagree with it or not. Arguably, our number one fan now, Lindsay Spencer, who you interact with, um, Wife of Evansville AD Mark Spencer. Since that time, Mark's been on the show. Lindsay retweets everything. She interacts with you and I on our personal account and the show account. Um, shout out to her as well. And you know, we might have to do another call out and get her on as well. And maybe sometime down the road, see how that might work out. Yeah, and and they're getting ready for Arch Madness in uh, St. Louis. Uh, with their conference tournament coming up. So uh, we definitely want the uh, Evansville, the Aces, to to, uh, pull out the victory so they can get to the big dance. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, But definitely we appreciate everybody listening. It's been been fun. So what's next on the menu, uh, Mr. Vinny? Um, I'm going to do a little roster comparison real quick. And I know you got some soapbox stuff coming and, um, <laughs> we're too, so we got some NBA, well, you said the last night you did anyway. So, um, uh, yeah. we definitely hit some NFL and NBA like we do. We blow up big enough down the road. Maybe you and me can head to Evansville and, and do a show and catch a game up there at some point in time. So that might be, well, so, we'll have to, cool. we'll have to be mobile. Definitely. Yeah, so uh, go up and meet Mark and Lindsay in person and check out the Aces. Uh, so that would be cool. How far is Evansville from Louisville? Oh, just lost TV. We'll get him right back. Um, I know he'll be calling right back in. <clears throat> but TV will jump right, right back in, lost the signal right quick. But um, we're just going to compare the rosters, too. That's what going to do are in the same boat. We're talking about this year's team and 2014 team that struggled, uh, took some losses that we all thought they shouldn't have taken, uh, the bad loss in South Carolina, Cal gets tossed, and then we see them getting it together at the uh, SEC tournament. Um, got you back, TV. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. You know, modern conveniences, all that, but I'm I'm definitely here. 
All right. Um, uh, before uh, I was going to compare the roster, I was just asking how far Evansville was from Louisville. Uh, Evansville about an hour and a half. It's about the midway okay. point uh, between between uh, Louisville and St. Louis. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's 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 not that bad of a, a drive just up Interstate 64. I know for a while there they were doing some construction along that stretch, uh, kind of towards St. Louis. But yeah, Evansville's not that far. Uh, nope. Nice little road trip right there. Yeah, all right. Um, I was just going to bring up the two rosters just just for the sake of bringing them up since they're kind of comparable in the standpoint of this year's team and 2014 team. Uh, both maybe took a few losses that everybody thought, eh, thinks they should have taken. Had a few struggles, took some lumps. You remember the game, of course, the infamous game at South Carolina uh, where they got blown out, Cal got tossed, and, there was a rock bottom point that may have been it, especially with it happening towards the end of the regular season. Then we remember the SEC tournament where they, you know, started. You see them coming, and then the NCAA tournament run as well. But that team has uh, a sophomore Willie Collie Stein, a sophomore Alex Porteris. Uh The Twins are freshmen. Had a, uh, a Marcus Lee was a freshman. Ikari was a freshman. James Young was a freshman. Julius Randle, Willis, and Hawkins, those are the kind of guys that, that play more so. And you compare that to Ulyss, Murray, uh, Senior Willis, Senior Lee, you know, freshman Scal, uh, freshman Isaac, and, and Briscoe. Uh, just for the sake of, you know, comparing most of the guys that played on both the teams that, you know, got most of the minutes. Um, had a little more strength, of course, inside. On the 2014 team, when you look at Willie and Dakari, oh, and Julius Randle as well. Um, but you know, of course, the guard play from Tyler and Jamal, you know, being argued as maybe the best black court point guard shooting guard combo that Kentucky ever had. So, um, and they could make him go on a run, like we talked about with the. Big guys stepping up if they can on the consistent basis, ease that pressure off of Tyler Jamal. Yeah, and I, and I think they, I think they can. And, and here, and I, and I don't want to act like I'm coming down on Kentucky fans because I don't enjoy losing to Ohio State or losing to LSU mm-hmm. like we did this year. But when you step back and look at the big picture, outside of the South Carolina debacle in 2014. I can't really remember any of the other specific losses that team had. Yeah. What do mm-hmm. I remember? Aaron Harrison in the tournament. And, and turn it around. I, I remember that more than I do any of those losses. The same way in 2011. I remember uh, an overtime loss at Mississippi that year and uh, losing to uh, North Carolina by two. But you know what else I remember more than that? Number one, the, the one thing I remember from that season more than anything is Jorts tattooing uh, Sellinger in the chest with the basketball against Ohio State. I remember that. <laughs> I remember Brandon Knight's shot against was it was it Princeton or Harvard? Princeton. Uh, Princeton. Yeah, I remember that. 
I remember uh, Liggins hitting the shot against North Carolina in the Elite Eight. And my favorite picture of Cal, the hug of of Cal and Liggins, there's like a shot as Liggins is approaching him on the sidelines where Cal just has this, this grin. And the two of them embracing. That is one of my favorite shots. But I say that in... I remember those moments more than I do those losses. Uh, like I said, even this year's team, even if it's a Sweet 16 team, still going to remember Tyler Eulis putting on one of the best point guard seasons in U.K. history. And we've had great point guards. I mean, that's the thing about it. We've had a legacy of great point guards. I'm going to remember that. And and Jamal Murray being as efficient of a score as we've had at Kentucky. So I don't like the losses, but you have to keep them in perspective as well. That's it. And it can't be tough to do, but like I said, we just got to take the ride and, and see where it ends up and, more often than not, under Cal, in these non-dominant seasons, the ride has gone further and been more pleasant than we would have thought heading into the tournament. Yeah, and and, and I know that we catch a lot of flack for the one and dones, but you can still watch players grow and develop. And this leads me to my soapbox moment. It's a nice segue. We get the bad rap, you know, with Cal of being one and done. And the one of the things that I've heard from opposing fans, most notably those fans in Cardinal Red, is how can you get attached to someone who is only on campus for a couple of months? How can you – how can you build that attachment like you would to a four-year player? That's all we've heard. Fast forward to this year, and the Cardinals, Lee and Lewis, their fifth-year senior transfers. And last night at senior night, the basketball program presents them with championship rings, and they play a montage of uh, One Shining Moment, you know, the song that gets played at the championship game that shows highlights of the tournament, yada, yada, yada. The, the Luther classic. Luther Vandross classic. Luther, yeah. Luther was, yeah, Luther was singing it, I think, back in, uh, back in the 90s when we had our run. I think it was all Luther. But here's my thing. Yeah. So, number one, Celebrate your players however you want to celebrate. That's fine. Throw a parade in downtown Louisville. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I'm just amazed at the attachment to these guys, and they have been on campus for a couple of months. I understand the extenuating circumstances in in this season and, uh, and all that, but don't tell me how much these guys are a part of your program and, and this, that, and the other. 
when you're mocking Anthony Davis and what he did in Lexington. I, I don't understand the difference. The one-and-done players we have had that have been in the program for the, the few months, there isn't any one of them outside of maybe Daniel Orton that I've got any problem associating with the university. I mean, Anthony Davis, even, yes, he's a great player. He's one of the best players in the league. But those guys, I am just proud that they came through, and they are just as much a part of Kentucky as as four-year players have been. I admit, I was leery about Cal and the one-and-dones because you know, senior day being a big tradition like it like it is in Lexington. But these guys that he's bringing in, they still they come back. They're still following the team. Uh, when you look at Devin Booker tweeting out uh, pictures of himself watching Kentucky games and his Kentucky stuff, Carl Anthony Towns yeah. is always. And even Deron Lamb who I think is the best follow on Twitter, although he's kind of settled down a little bit lately, uh, needling uh, our opponents. He's always throwing shade at Louisville. But those guys, even though they weren't here the full four years, there's still a connection. There's still a bond. You can see that when they play each other in the NBA. There's just – we talk about, you know, the Carolina men and, you know, in the Carolina way and all that. But now there is a brotherhood of Kentucky players in the league, not just in the league, but you see Louis Dampier back into the fold. Cal has done a great job of bridging what happened under Rupp to what he's doing today. That is fantastic. But what the, the Cardinal fans and just how derisive they were for the one and done. Now to totally flip it and say how much Lee and Lewis have meant to the program, I think is a little disingenuous at best. So that is my soapbox moment. Uh, and like I said, that, I, do I think it's funny for the rings and all that? Yes. But honestly, do what you want to do. If you want to celebrate that, do what you want to do. Uh, a lot of Louisville folks were talking about, you know, what Kentucky had done for the uh, Unforgettables. Uh, well, yeah, the Unforgettables, even though they were on probation that year, they had the best record in the SEC, and that's why they got a parade. And, and that's why their jerseys are hanging from the rafters. So do what you want to yeah. do. Uh, that's fine. Uh like if Indiana they like passing out rings for Sweet Sixteen, that's fine. Do, do you, Boo Boo? But you know, you, you you can't say something's good for you and, and bad. It, it's just it's just bad for business. Yeah, and and I mean, unforgettable. This is three one and done. Unforgettable. Unforgettables have been been there through. All kinds of lean years, and then to do what they did, they deserve some kind of recognition. Louisville's doing the same thing for Lee and Lewis for being there for a, a season of lean years or 
or half a season once they decided to go on probation. So how can they even question the unforgivables? They're doing a mini, mini micro version of what we did with the unforgivables. And these were kids. These guys aren't even from Louisville, you know. And and here's the thing as well is this the unforgettables were after the NCAA hammered the program. Yeah. Everyone involved with the scandal from Sutton on down, they were gone. Except for Bill Kitely, it was a total changeover when Patino got to town. And then you're able to move forward. We don't know. We don't know. There's no conclusion to this yet. There may be another season where they're not able to con- uh, play in the uh, in the postseason. We don't know how this is going to shake out. So, uh, again, do you, but it just, I don't know, it struck me as odd. And, yes, I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I laughed. Yeah. yeah. And, and then on top of that, they had a – Interesting board of directors meeting going on as well, right? Uh, yeah. The just recently, uh, the inspector general, or uh, I can't remember the exact position, the kind of the overseer uh, at the university on the a- academic side, uh, basically filed a lawsuit saying that university president James Ramsey, uh, borderline incompetent, but there, and I understand, and we've said this on this show before, every school has its issues. I understand that. I'm not sitting here in a glass house talking about my university, University of Kentucky, being perfect. But I think it is just foolish to say that the University of Louisville has not had a run of ridiculous news. Starting with Patino, what happened in Porchini's a couple of years ago, to now the Katina Powell thing, to, it's just everything coming out of there is just unseemly. And now the Board of Trustees for the university has postponed a vote of no confidence in Ramsey, the school president. I mean, it is dysfunction at the highest level. I. I With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The UFL fan, how, you're just, how you are okay with that. You know, there was Charlie Strong that fortunately didn't have to testify in a uh, board of trustees 
divorce case for maybe possibly marital infidelity. There's just all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah. At what point does it just – you have to clean house? And, again, for all the snide remarks and everything about Cal and our banners going up with Velcro and yada, 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 well, the NCAA is only looking at one of the schools right now. And who is it? You know, who's being investigated now? I mean, uh, but yet they'll still say how dirty Cal is. You know, it, it, it's frustrating, but I understand, you know, where they're coming from. Exactly. We'll switch it up to the U.K. women, and I'm going to talk Rockets here in a little bit because my Rockets have had a busy day off the court, so I have to get to that. But the women, the NCC tournament starts for them tomorrow from UK Hoopcat down in Jacksonville. Um, they play tomorrow at 2.30, and they were to play the winner of the LSU-Alabama game, and most thought that it would be Alabama. Turns out LSU, uh, Coach Nikki Caldwell, and LSU knock off Alabama 58-49. to With LSU that moves on, to play Kentucky at 2.30 tomorrow down in Jacksonville. Um, UK Hoopcats got a preview on Twitter, and George Jim Smith, friend of the show for the Lexington Herald Leader, is all over it, and she'll be down there bringing tweets and articles about all the action down there. Uh, yesterday, Georgia's coach, Andy Landers, was on Fine Bomb, kind of just, just giving an overview of the tournament, and of course, you know, South Carolina is the favorite. Uh, they were the, the class of the conference again. But, you know, Coach Landers, you know, been around forever, Coach Georgia forever. He kept pointing to Kentucky as a team that uh, had a good chance, one of the teams with a better chance of knocking out South Carolina. Of course, they got to take care of LSU tomorrow first uh, before they get their shot. They match up with South Carolina. He liked, you know, how Kentucky – could match up with them size-wise. Uh, last year, they handed South Carolina their only SEC defeat at Memorial Coliseum, happened to be in there in the house to watch that one. Uh, so, you know, they're not going to be scared of them if they do run up against them. Uh, so starting at 2.30 tomorrow, Coach Mitchell and UK Hoopcats uh, will set out to, uh, to take care of business in the tournament in March against LSU down in Jacksonville. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, with the men and the women, the only program that uh, both teams have been ranked continuously for last year and this year. So, again, if you're just thinking that it's just Coach Cal and and those guys, uh, no, Coach Mitchell has got a a very good – uh, program on his hands, and even though they had some folks, uh, some ladies leave, and and whatnot, uh, you know they're riding a six-game winning streak uh, into the SEC tournament, and uh, I think they're poised to make some noise. Depending on how things line up, uh, this could be the year that Coach Mitchell and and, and the Lady Hoopcat. They crashed their Final Four. Uh, so definitely uh, want to keep an eye on that starting at 2.30 tomorrow. Yes. 
and the UK baseball team is in a tight one right as we speak. Um, they first pitch against Austin P today started at 3:45, and in the bottom of the eighth, tied two to two. Austin P was leading. Uh, UK baseball Twitter just tweeted out that Gunnar McNeil clutch two out RBI single to tie the game at two to two in the bottom of the eighth. So uh, UK baseball and Austin P are in a battle. Let's go down to the wire on the Kentucky baseball front. But yeah, it's it's more than just basketball going on in Lexington. And just like Cal can't coach, this has got to be one of those things that needs to fall by the wayside. Exactly. And UK softball team is traveling to play in the Winthrop Invitational. And once again, you talk about ranking. They're ranked 17th and 16th in the respective softball polls. Um, they play five games in three days. Uh, Friday against Albany Lehigh in Lehigh. Uh, Saturday against UNC Charlotte in Winthrop. Uh, then Winthrop again at 10 a.m. So they got a big weekend coming up uh, with Coach Coach Lawson and the UK softball squad as well. Once again, just drive the point home. More than just basketball, but that's just kind of the uh, overview of what's going on with some of the other programs. Uh, even though the basketball men's and women's will, you know, be garnering all the attention in March, that doesn't mean all the other squads and coaches aren't putting in work as well. We'll flip back Definitely. Hit a couple tweets right quick. Uh, Michelle has been tweeting at us. Michelle Morton, first-time listener, she says, so far, this is about 26 minutes ago, so hopefully nothing has changed between that and NTB. Since so far, the show is excellent. And then goes on to say that we're very knowledgeable and gives us the clapping applause emoji. I will take that every day. Definitely. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, when I was asking you about the distance from Evansville to Louisville, she was tweeted in as well. About two hours, so right there, she was uh, giving us some geographical knowledge. And just to comment a couple of tweets on uh, kind of the mindset of the players or uh, how fans should maybe interact with the players. You tell the players to relax. Never think about what's at stake. Thinking about who's going to win the game, then you've lost your focus. So definitely don't want players losing their focus, uh, especially now that we're in March. And, of course, she chimed in as well with you on your soapbox moment. She tweeted in a gif of the rock rolling his eyes. Uh, that was her response to Louisville playing one shining moment. So we all kind of on the same page there. Uh, you know, you can't be serious. You know, do what you want to do, but it still doesn't mean we're not going to laugh when you play music as if you won the championship when you're not even going to be playing for the championship. But that's them doing them, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's uh, do you, but <laughs> just just know you might get some chuckles along the way from your from your rivals for it. Uh, that's yeah. gonna that's gonna happen. Um, right? If they want to 
if they want to do what they want to do, we can react how we want to react based on what they decide to do. So that's what we're doing. Let's see if I can say do one more time in that little span of a couple sentences. <laughs> Catch us another quick break, man. We got hour two on the way. Still got more fun stuff. Join the show. Thanks for listening. This is Cast Talk Wednesday. Vinnie Hardy and Jay Brown on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Take us another quick break. Be back in a couple minutes.
made a couple moves today. Well, made a couple moves before today. One was the buyout of Ty Lawson. Uh, brought him in before the season started from Denver, uh, and it just didn't work out. Uh, it been dealing with some off the court, some DUIs and stuff like that, and it just never did fit like everybody thought. Uh, as far as the best case scenario on paper, so they reached an agreement to buy Ty out, and they brought in a former Laker, last wore the purple and gold in 2012 and 2013. Uh, that would be one Andrew Gaudelock. Uh He's coming in now to fill that spot. So we got a, a former Laker on the squad. And they also signed Michael Beasley. Two picking the drafts. He's been playing over in China. Uh, we all remember him at Kansas State, had some time with the Heat, uh, bounced around overseas. Um, and you know, a lot of people want to you know, rip him and label him as a bust. Uh, he was one that dealt with, with some depression and things like that, and a lot of people didn't really empathize with that. But he's back in the NBA now with the Rockets signing him today. Uh, Houston is still flirting with an eight seed, uh, losing some games that they need to win, lost to, of course, they lost to the Spurs, lost to Utah a couple games before that. And both of them are right there, a half a game apart in the standings. Depending on what they look, they're half a game apart in the win column or the loss column. But Houston is now on the outside looking in, trying to make one last push, you know, in those last 22, 23 games or so, to see if they can get in. Just been a, a discombobulated season from the jump. You know, Kevin McHale getting fired 11 games in. James Harden coming in a little bit out of shape. Um, J.P. Biggerstaff, interim head coach. you got reports that Harden wants Howard traded. Howard wants Harden traded. Everybody denying everything. So, you know, it's probably a little somewhere in the middle. Um and just the effort hasn't been there like it was last year. Uh, defensively, they had really slacked. Uh, they, they, they never were, you know, 90 Knicks defensively anyway. Uh, so it's just a whole lot of holes in the team and time's running out. Uh, if they want to try to make it, get an 8 seed and play Golden State <laughs> or get a 7 seed play San Antonio. So that's kind of where we are. With, with my Rockets at the moment, but your boy Andrew Gatalock is now a Houston Rocket. The thing about Houston is, I mean, this was a season on what not to do to follow up a great season. <laughs> to, to and, you know, and I'm not saying that to, to be mean, but to be in a situation where. You make it to the Western Conference Finals, and then the next season you're fighting for a playoff berth without a major, you know, a player left. You know, there's just a lot going on there in the culture of Houston, I think. And I didn't even mention just a minute ago what I mentioned a handful of shows ago. 
you know, in addition to, to coming in a little out of shape, kind of playing his way in shape, that being Harden, and that's, that's Kevin McHale said that a few weeks ago. And whether he's got to ask the ground or not, you, you know, I tend to kind of trust him on that. Uh, and what makes me believe that even more is when, you know, James Harden gets a big deal from Adidas. He's still wearing Nike. Um, Steph Curry wins the MVP, and here we are in training camp. Essentially, James Harden still whining that, you know, he shouldn't have come in second. He should have won MVP. So that that told me right then, you know, focus on this season wasn't quite where it needed to be, and we're still kind of looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, you know, Steph got the trophy, been on his shelf, been in his mantle for a few months now, been on his mantle all summer. And so leave that alone and, and you know, try to beat him out for MVP this year. If, if that's how you feel, let it motivate you the way it motivated Kim Olajuwon when David Robinson won the MVP in the playoffs, and then Olajuwon went out and destroyed Robinson. Let it, let it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Until you like that. Don't just say, I should have won it, and then, you know, play okay individually, and then not really lead your team, you know, from a success wins and losses standpoint. But him and, him and Dwight, really, either one as leaders aren't really the type of guys that you want as leaders. You know, Dwight's big and playful and, you know, kind of goofball. We like to have fun. Harden is quiet into himself, but not really killer instinct. Neither one of them had a killer instinct, and that's what you love about Kobe. That's what you love about Jordan. And neither one of these guys, even though they're star players, they don't really, or to this point, haven't displayed that. Well, and I don't think they will, because here's here's the thing. No. When you think of great the great winners, particularly in basketball, it, it wasn't that they came into the league and were kind of lighthearted and whatnot and, and then got that, that killer edge. No, these guys came into the league set on domination. And I just don't think at this stage, even of Harden's career, I just don't think he's going to become that guy uh, you know, I hate to say it, but he's a great player. And But I just don't think he's the kind of leader that the guys are going to follow. And just watching a lot of Rockets games, there's a lot of James Harden just dribbling. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, it, and it's disheartening to the other, to your teammates because – 
And, and, and I say that when you look at Michael Jordan and everybody, you know, let's say greatest ever, I, I, you know, he didn't dominate the ball like that to be effective. Uh, I read a book about Phil Jackson and the triangle offense and how when he was an assistant under Doug Collins in Chicago, he and Tex Winter were always just talking about the beauty of the triangle offense. And when Phil became the head coach, the thing was, okay, how do I get Michael Jordan to buy into that? Because, you know, previously when he was younger, Jordan dominated the ball. Number one, he was pretty much all the Bulls had, and he was just that good, but he dominated the ball. But Phil showed him through this triangle offense, you can still get your shots, but you're going to get your shots in different places on the floor. The defense can't necessarily key on you, and you can play much more efficiently. That's how they beat Detroit. And I say that roundabout to at some point, Houston's going to need an offense that isn't just James Harden pound the ball in the deck for 15 seconds uh, of the shot clock. I, I, that's just how it goes. For my money, the Lakers, under Kobe's 20 years, they were at their best when he was playing off the ball. That stretch after Shaq left and before Pau Gasol, when Kobe dominated the ball, those were terrible years. Because I just don't think that that's an offense you can run at the NBA level. Even if you have an otherworldly talent, you've got to do something because the defenses are just too good in the NBA. That's why I, I think that with the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, it's going to be – and they're having a good year. Any other year, we'd be talking about Oklahoma City except for Golden State and San Antonio. But it's – can Billy, Billy Donovan find a way for Russ and KD to coexist? And when you see them in close games, particularly against Golden State a couple of days ago, <laughs> there's no cohesion on offense when you need a bucket. Uh I know I rambled a little bit, but that's just the issue I have kind of with Harden, great player, but doesn't need to dominate the ball like that. And that was some of the reason that, well, not, I mean, that's some of the reason the Ty Lawson thing never worked out because that would have been taking the ball out of Harden's hands, and then he he kind of doesn't really know what to do or how to function, how to operate. You know, he's not a, Rip Hamilton come off screens much more of a, you know, ISO clear it out kind of guy. Um, and like you said, you don't know if they ever will become those leaders. And if and it's disheartening for the other teammates, if the other teammates do follow his lead, you don't know where it's going to lead. You know, it's, uh, he's, he's much the line for his defense. Uh, don't see a lot of emphasis or focus being put to that end consistently. Um, sometimes you hear him saying the right things or trying to do the right things, but just as a whole, you just, you know, great player, great scorer, and that, that might just kind of be where he's going to stay. So, 
Billy Younger and was happy to have a chance to be the man in Houston to get out from under Russ and KD and OKC. But, you know, now now it's his baby. It's kind of his squad, and, and this is kind of where we are. Yeah, and, and, and that, like I said, when you think about the great winners uh, in the NBA, those guys, competitive almost to a fault, but they demand it, it, it's what they demand out of their teammates. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Everybody remembers Magic Johnson and his big smile and having fun and all that kind of stuff with Showtime. But like I read in the book Showtime about those Laker teams, when he was a, a rookie in their first training camp, he's whizzing the ball off of people's heads, hitting them in the chest, saying, you need to be ready. This is how we do things. So every, I think, great champion has that little bit of an edge where they can be a jackass. And, and I think that that's, yeah. that's part of it, part of being uh, a leader, not where you're you know, berating guys and all that, but I'm just saying your great leaders kind of set that tone with this is how things are going to go. And I don't know that Harden or uh, – well, I, I know for a fact that Dwight Howard is not that type of person. I mean, he, <laughs> he couldn't take playing with – he couldn't take playing with Kobe. Uh, so uh, I think Houston has two great players, but I just don't know if it's going to work long term. And the, the chemistry between the, the two of them – is hit and miss, uh, and that was really accentuated against Milwaukee the other night. You know, it, the, the video got looped over and over again. Uh, Harden was, was going to the middle of the floor. Uh, Dwight Howard had rolled to the basket, and Harden lobbed it to, to Howard, you know, for an alley wide open. Nobody was around Dwight. Dwight boxing out, thinking – you know, Harden could go ahead and take that mid-range jumper. And, of course, you know, Harden said, I'm going to go ahead and hit Dwight for the lob. And then both of them got exasperated at each other. And then Harden jumped up and down like, ah, are you serious? And, you know, Dwight threw his hands up like, you know, why'd you shoot? You know, that in a nutshell kind of encapsulates, you know, some of the issues. Uh, it's just little simple things where they're not on the same page. And it, all that adds up. And then, you know, when I talk about the turnovers or and the, you know, defensive breakdowns, that's always kind of been a problem as well. Yeah. In, in, in basketball, I, I think any sport you need to be on the, the same page. But basketball, with its fluidity, where you're offense, defense, offense, defense, you really need to be on the same page with the other four people out there on the court. And – just in, in playing pickup games, you know, if you get on a team with, with guys that know what they're doing, they're playing, doing the right thing, you can play with those guys all night long. Or you can play with some knuckleheads that are good basketball players but don't know how to play basketball. Like last night, even when Florida was making their run, I tweeted out on several occasions, Florida's shot selection will keep Kentucky in the game. And I, 
what's what's the Florida big man name? Ubuku. What was his name? Ubuku or something like that. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I'm bad. I'm I'm becoming like a a homer. I don't even remember the player's name. But he was dominating on the inside, and you got to say to yourself, okay, we had no Kentucky has no answer for the big man. As a astute basketball player, I'm thinking he needs to touch it every time down the court. But they would go stretches and not give him the ball. He could have done even more damage, but they didn't do it. We saw that North Carolina and Duke last time they played. That Bryce Johnson had 29 and 10 with 10 minutes left to go in the second half. <laughs> and he didn't get but one shot off over the last 10 minutes. Are you are you kidding me? That that's the kind of thing. It's head scratching when that happens. But we have a lot of people, like I said, that are good basketball players that don't know how to play basketball. That's why when you watch the NCAA tournament, these quote-unquote mid-majors, it's not really an upset. When a mid-major beats a, a, a team that you know, those, peop- those guys know how to play. Whereas some of these more highly regarded recruits, good individual players, but the team, it's not cohesive. That is what I admire most about what Cal is doing. He's getting these talented people to play and share the ball, but he's getting them to commit defensively. This year, even with all the struggles with the big men, uh, I I don't want to say this, but uh, Florida was the eighth or ninth opponent. SEC, we've held under 40-something percent shooting or something along those lines. Whatever it is, these guys play defense. And they have played defense since Cal has been here. And that's what has been most impressive to me is that he's got these guys committed to defense. Yes, Anthony Davis, you're going to be the number one pick, but I want you to anchor our defense. Not a problem. Yes, Carl Anthony Towns, you're going to be the number one pick, but I want you to be that defensive pressure uh, presence. Not a problem. To me, that's more amazing than anything, getting these guys to play defense at the level which they do. Yeah, and having to, to teach it over and over again, you know, to to start from scratch over and over and over again uh, with an incoming freshman. I mean, you and I don't think people – I think people underestimate this. When you've got – highly recruited guys coming in who, let's be honest, they know they're one and done, and that's fine. I, I've got – I don't you know, begrudge those guys anything. But to get them to play defense, that – to me, that is the best coaching job ever. When, when you look at yeah. – you know, we, we think about Anthony Davis just swallowing people up. You know, Nerlens Noel, before his injury, was on pace to break the single-season block and single-season steal record. Are you kidding me? I mean, are, are, you, are you kidding? And, and, they, and, they, and, and not getting the blocks that are going to get you on Sports Center, you keep them in play. And 
that's what I liked about last year's team is offensively, there were a lot of games where we were disjointed. The A&M double overtime game, you know, the, the Georgia game that, that was almost a loss. Offensively, there were only a few games where we looked, of course, Kansas and, and you know, UCLA, but for the most part, we hung our hats on defense. That is how we got to 38-1. That's how we got the 2012 national title. That was the tweak was playing defense. No. And I don't think Cal gets enough credit for his team's playing outstanding defense. Yeah, definitely true. Definitely true. Let's flip and go to the other end of the spectrum and talk about outstanding offense. You mentioned uh, Steph Curry and how the Thunder uh, are still trying to find ways in close games uh, to get the job done. The other day in Oklahoma City, Saturday night, that was one. I mean, it's just a regular season game. But they had already played in Oakland and lost, had another shot at them in Oklahoma City, and jumped all over them, you know, up 11 nothing or, you know, whatever it was, 14-5, to five, uh, jumped on them, trying to, to step on their neck and keep the pressure on for the uh, duration of the game. Golden State, to me, looked to try to rush things when they were trying to get back in the game after getting down and, and digging that hole. Uh, it's like they were rushing shots. Thompson was off. Curry was off. Uh, and at the end of the day, we, we saw the rally. We saw Steph get hot. Uh, Durant fouled out. We saw Steph hit the 38-footer to win it. It's got to be one of those situations that for a split second, OKC, no doubt, would love another shot again. Be I'll be in the playoffs or whatever. But you got to think, man, if we can't beat them after taking it to them like we did for, you know, 50 out of the 53 minutes, you know, when you count the overtime, uh, are we – do they just have our number? Are they in our heads? Are we ever going to beat them? Uh, I'm not saying they're still thinking that, but, you know, I was thinking that after the way OKC, you know, was moving them up and down the court, and then still when the buzzer sounds, they come up on the short end. Yeah, and again, Golden State knows what they're going to do. They have a game plan that works to perfection with that roster. When you've got Steph Curry and you've got Clay Thompson that can hit, you know, from 25-plus feet, that really opens up things for everybody else. That's why you can't say, okay, if you're Philadelphia, well, let's just do like Golden State does. Not not unless you've got guys that can hit consistently from that. It, it, it won't work. And I don't think that trying to outscore Golden State is the answer. Uh I think you've got to grind it down. You've got to control tempo. And I don't know if... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just don't know if in a seven-game series, can Oklahoma City, can they do that? Can they slow down uh, Golden State enough uh, to win? I, I, I just don't think that that, I don't think that they can. The I think the Spurs can do it because I think the Spurs have enough uh, on the offensive end because you've got to make Curry, you've got to make him work on defense. That is, you know, any, any basketball person tell you, you got a great offensive player, you got to make him work on defense and affect his offense. And I think, in my mind, that's what separates Jordan from a lot of players is. He was on elite level on both ends of the court, and you don't often see that. Um, you know, everybody remembers the shot in 98 over Byron Russell, uh, but there was the, the blindside steal of Carl Malone to set that up. Uh, so that's what, it, what separates Jordan. Uh, I mean, I think the Golden State can be beaten, but it's going to take a concerted effort to do it. And and for a portion of the game, OKC tried to do that. There were some times where, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook just went right at Steph and, and overpowered him, you know, got some, some point-blank shots on him, uh, you know, just being physical with him, you know, the same height. But, you know, Russ, from a physical standpoint, you don't, you don't see much more explosive guards than him. And so he was. They were able to have some success doing that. They weren't able to sustain it uh, for the entire game. Um, and you mentioned Jordan being elite on on both ends. Uh, I think '88, he won the scoring title and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I remember in '93 against the Suns, uh, there were times they put him on Kevin Johnson. And I mean, this is when Kevin Johnson is just blowing by everybody. He's a blur. Nobody can stay in front of him. And then, they, you know, and more often than not, you get a bigger guy on you. It's, it's easier for the little guy to maneuver and get around. He dug right in and, and was, you know, containing and slowing Kevin Johnson down, which kind of changed the way uh, Phoenix was trying to go about their business, business on offense. So, yeah, he was – and, you know, then Kobe would show flashes of that from time to time, uh, that tenacity, that hunger this all-out effort and will to uh, to lock a guy down while at the same time, you know, killing them on offense as well. Yeah, and uh, you don't usually see that see that combo. I mean, you, you of course, Jordan and, and Kobe. Um, do I think Golden State, I think they can be beat. Uh, I mean, even if you look at the final – uh, last year, you know, without Kyrie Irving, without Kevin Love, I think that there's a different Cavaliers team. Uh, 
you know, and, and Golden State one in six. So uh, I don't, but only, but this year Golden State has just whipped the Cavs. The game plan you have to have if you're Billy Donovan, if you're Greg Popovich, is if you get into a seven game series, you've got to be able to attack Golden State for all seven games and hope that cumulative effect wears on them. That is the uh, Detroit Pistons, old school Philly, old school uh, Boston, is you can come out running, you know, game one, game two, but enough hard picks, enough bumping and grinding takes its toll. And you can see that in those old Lakers and Celtics series of the 80s, games one and games two, a lot of running, a lot of movement, but then it would it would slow down quite a bit toward the end of the series. And I think that's what you have to do if you're going to beat Golden State in a series. Yeah, that very well be the formula. Uh, a lot of different people are trying a lot of different things, so uh, we'll see what's in store for them here in a few months. Um, let's take a Another quick break, and on the other side, talk about some of the shade that's been thrown at Steph and the Warriors, and also talk a little bit uh, about your boy, Kyrie Irving, up in Cleveland. Uh, we talked about him a little bit last week with the bed bug situation. We'll talk about him a little bit more uh, with the whole Cleveland situation. Does he want to be there and all that? So Steph talk. NBA Talk, Kyrie Irving Talk, all after the break. Listen to Cats Talk Wednesday, Benny Hardy and Terry Brown on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. minutes of the show. Uh, if it does go past eight few minutes or so, you can catch everything on the podcast, which comes up shortly after the show is over, blogtalkradio.com slash cats talk 
every podcast of every single show is there. I think this is episode number 69, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the one tonight will be there. We'll join them shortly. You can go back all the way to the first one from November of 2014. So they're all there. If you miss any of it, want to just hear something from a previous show, they'll all be there. And on iTunes as well, like TV says. Uh, all the kids are on iTunes. You can you can hit the show on iTunes. Every episode is right there as well. This one will be on iTunes before the night is up also. Um, so feel free to check them out either way. And, of course, we post them again on our Twitter and Facebook pages uh, as well. But to go back to Steph and the Warriors, they took a little, little shade every now and then. Last year took a few little snide remarks, a little bit of some people hating on them. Uh, last year when they made it to the finals, you know, where you heard, well, they didn't have to deal with any injuries. Uh, you heard that uh, they didn't have to face the Clippers, uh, who squandered a 3-1 lead to my Rockets, didn't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, which, you know, it wasn't their fault that they didn't have a lot of injuries. Uh, they, they won 67 games and still had to, you know, maneuver through the playoffs just like everybody else. Um, but now you've got a situation where Robinson has come out and Isaiah Thomas and Steven Jackson and all these guys are, are making different remarks about the Warriors. You know, taking little shots, little jabs here and there. Isaiah Thomas talking about the perimeter defense isn't the same today as it was back then. Uh, Oscar Robinson talking about there were other players that were impressive from, you know, back years ago. Uh, what do you make of that, you know? Uh, all, all these different little shots, little barbs, little jabs coming out uh, as the Warriors were trying to defend their title. Well, and, and here's the thing. Uh you know, I'm not going to totally dismiss out of hand what Oscar Robertson had to say, Isaiah Thomas had to say. I will dismiss some of those things that people said about the Warriors last year. Uh, injuries are part of it, and you play who's in front of you. That's that's how it is. I'm not going to discount, you know, a Super Bowl champion or a World Series champion or any kind of ch- – you, you do what's expected of you. Uh, you know, when, when Duke beat Butler for the championship, UConn beat Butler, do, do you get something less because it was Butler and it wasn't North Carolina or Kansas or Kentucky? No. You win those six games, you're the champion. That's what we agree to. That's what we do. So the Warriors did what they were supposed to do. They played best of seven series all the way through. And they're the champions. So that I dismiss. I will say this much about some of the old-timers. Those old-timers could shoot. But this was before the three-point line, a lot of them. And it's a totally different game now than it was before. Just like when you look at the NFL, the offenses are more wide open. 
passing is the order of the day. And when you see these quarterbacks put up these numbers, you mean to tell me that Dan Marino in a spread offense with five wide couldn't, you know, when he, you know, there's not that fear that he could get, you know, blindsided, he couldn't put up those numbers? Are you kidding? Yes, yes, yes. So it's just a different era. And just because an older player says, you know, my era was different, I don't think it means it's that he's automatically wrong, but I think the game has changed to favor offenses. And that's in most sports. People want to see points being scored. So I, I don't dismiss what they say, uh, you know, out of hand, but I think as ineloquent as it was, I think uh, the big O made, made some valid points. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I try to just balance, you know, acknowledging the new guys and still not forgetting the old guys who paved the way. Um, and I don't, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, if, you know, if they want, like, they can come across disgruntled if they want or. Uh, but it's, part of me still says aims to recognize game, and, and you can't just dismiss what Steph is doing. Sure, the game is different. The rules are different. None of that is Steph's fault. Um, and and some of these, the players from the old era could come and play today. Dr. J, Connor Hawkins, you know, Oscar, all those guys could play today. They could play in any era. It's like you mentioned Marino playing today. Oh. Uh, then that doesn't mean Steph couldn't come go back there and, and do well in that area as well. That's why I'm kind of, you know, I can see both sides of it, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, you know, you don't have to throw shade. And, and Steven Jackson, um, less accomplished than Isaiah and the big old by far, I mean, won a title with the Spurs, played on that Golden State team, and knocked off the Mavs, and they were asking him what he would do, and he said, you know, he he talked like teams weren't trying to defend Curry. He said, you got to take the ball out of his hands at all times. Really? You think if it's that simple, you think every team wouldn't do that? I mean, the Sixers would do that if they were playing Golden State. Everybody would do that. You think teams didn't try to take the ball out of Jordan's hands? Um, you know, and even simpler than that. You always heard, don't leave Steve Kerr wide open. Don't leave him. How come Steve Kerr always wound up shooting open threes? You can say, don't leave him. You can say, take the ball out of his hands. But that's easier said than done. You can go out and say, I'm going to take the ball out of Steph's hands. It's easier said than done. So, <laughs> and, and, with, and, and Steph is so unique. Not, not only, and we've talked about this before, he's got that ridiculous range. And, you know, against Oklahoma City, you're thinking to yourself, any other player in the league, you, you don't have to run up on as soon as he crosses half court. With Steph, you do. He's got that range, but he can also get to the rim. So he's not only a catch-and-shoot player, he can get to the rim 
maybe not with the physicality of Russell Westbrook, but he's he can still get there. He's got the, the handles to do it. So I do believe he's one of those transcendent talents that could play in any era. Uh, and that's what makes, in my mind, a Hall of Famer is could you see this person playing uh, in any era? And I see Steph being able to play with uh, – Kuzi and the Celtics, all the way to to you know Golden State of today. I can I can see that because his skill set is so unique that it could have been used in any any era at all. Uh, but you yeah. know, and, and the thing is, it, it, if if I'm an old player who uh, may not have gotten you know my due, I, I think Oscar Robertson gets overlooked. Yeah, because we talk yeah. about. We, we we talk about triple doubles, and he averaged one for an NBA season. I know things are different, but he's the only player to do that. And when we talk about all-time great versatile players, a lot of people don't know who the big O is. So we talk about these guys being bitter, but I can understand where they're coming from. Not so much the money, but when people are talking about the history of the game – and your name doesn't come up, these guys are human. These guys have pride. You know, uh, you know, people talking about great NBA guards and, 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 and Oscar Robertson's name doesn't come up. Are you kidding me? So I understand right. his frustration. So, um, but I, I think skill, uh, skill, Steph's skill set is so unique that he could have been successful in any era. Because like you said, you can game plan to take the ball out of anybody's hands, and the great ones get it done. I mean, that's just yeah, yeah. I mean, you unless you put two people on them at all times, the great ones get it. Done. That's what makes them great. And and the game has changed from a rule standpoint. The game has changed from a you know athleticism standpoint to. You know, not being above the rim to Elgin Baylor and the high flyers from way back taking it to above the rim. Even some of the great players, I mean, you look at clips of them, you know, they were going left with their right hand and vice versa, you know, as far as fundamentally, you know, even the Kuzis and sometimes Oscar and, and Havlicek and those guys. And, I mean, you put them playing today, you know, they would they would definitely probably – uh, adapt, you know, with their skills. But, you know, if you put Steph back there, would he be as skilled with the handle? It's hard to gauge, you know, doing that era thing when you flip from one player to another era. But you can't say that either guy would fail if you did swap them. I mean, we see it all the time on NBA 2K and all that kind of stuff. But if it was to happen in real life, uh, you know good and well that, you know, if, if you can play, you can play. <laughs> that's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that's what I say. Uh, like all the greats, we haven't quite seen this before. And and that's one of those things you can't really compare them to anybody else. And that's probably the, the best compliment you can give anybody, no matter what the field is, we haven't really seen anyone that can do this like you do. Uh, 
you know, and, and that's, that's, like I said, that's the highest compliment. Uh, you know, we haven't seen anybody that can do what Dominique Wilkins did in his prime, that, that these guys that rise above are so singularly unique that, um, you know, there's, there's just no way to compare. Yeah, yeah. And just one other thing on, on that same line, I think I sent you a link a couple of weeks ago, where Kareem said that Dirk Nowitzki was a one-trick pony, you know, with the, the step back, one foot fade away. So, I mean, it's, you know, uh, and maybe these guys today, years down the road, will be kind of the same way uh, when others come along and, and are succeeding and maybe overshadowing them. But I don't know. I, I still want to say games should recognize game, but at the same time, you can you can see – them bucking up and being prideful. Like Steven Jackson swears up and down that those 07 or 08 Warriors that, that knocked off the Mavericks would beat these Warriors with himself and Al Harrington and Andre Beardens and Baron Davis and Jason Richardson. He like he will, he swears up and down that they would beat Steph and Clay, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, and Andrew Bogut. But you can't, you can't, you don't, you don't want to argue. Who are we to argue? But you're not gonna dissuade those beliefs either, and those convictions. But but here's and this is like I was saying with Oscar Robson. When we talk about all-time great basketball players, it usually comes down to Michael Jordan or Wilt Chamberlain. That's usually the two with with Jordan getting the nod. My thing is, when you look at Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's resume, when you just look at it, starting with the number one all-time score in NBA history, with a shot, the skyhook, that is un, just unmatched, he won at every level. The NCAA out loud uh, dunking because he was so dominant at it. Everywhere he went, he won. High school, college, NBA, Olympics, he was a dominant force. And even when he got older on those Laker teams, his, when he couldn't jump like he could, couldn't, his skyhook was still devastating enough to, to, to win even more championships. When you look at a basketball resume from high school to the professional leagues, I don't think you see anybody that rivals Kareem. But when you talk about all-time great players, his name rarely comes up. He's got MVPs. I mean, you you know what he did at UCLA. I just – it blows my mind when you talk about great players and Kareem's name doesn't come up. That that yeah. so I understand where he's coming from. With some of these people that he sees as not his equal. I think Dirk Nowitzki is a fantastic ball player, Hall of Fame, top twenty, top twenty-five all-time player. But if I'm Kareem and I'm seeing the adulation that he's getting, and I know what my resume looks like, okay, call me bitter, but I'm gonna say, hey, you know, I did X, Y, and Z. And I don't even call it being bitter. 
But I just don't think people, and this isn't just sports, people don't appreciate things that came before them. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm getting older, but I appreciate some of those old old teams. You know, at, at some yeah. point, you know, people are going to start to discount what Magic Johnson did, who, for my money, is the best player I've ever seen, Michael Jordan included. But that's just me, and I don't mean to get off on that tangent, but uh, – <laughs> But in today's world, we just don't look any further back than four or five years. And that's why, although I can't say everybody does or doesn't, but for me, I try so hard to tightrope. Uh, I I wasn't. I don't. I'm not gonna say I would get off my lawn or I was. I was. I guess I was kind of just show and prove with LeBron because. You know, I, I saw Carl Malone. I, I read about Wes Unsell and, you know, guys like that. I tried to, and I know they're going to get overshadowed. LeBron, when he's done, you know, going to be the best small forward to play. That means Larry Bird and Dr. J are getting knocked down a peg. And that, in my mind, that's, that's just weird. But at the same time, I can't discredit what LeBron is doing. Um, you know, the, the, it's a it's a cycle. It is it's always going to be this way. Maybe not as much from the center position anymore because the game is smaller and there's not really true centers. You know, outside of Cousins and you know Carl Towns, Al Jefferson, and a few a few true five now. But I just try to balance it. I still you know don't sleep on what Jerry West and Elgin Baylor did, even though I grew up watching. Jordan, and then Kobe, and you know they, in everybody's minds, are, are the top two guards ever, top two shooting guards ever. Maybe top two guards, yeah, shooting guards. Magic still got the point guard position locked down. Uh, but for me, I was always yeah. that tone guy. But but still, I I just try to, I me personally, I try to tightrope it as best I can and, and give love to the current, give love to the up and coming, and still never forget the people that was even before our time. You know, Bob Pettit was maybe he was the best power for before Carl Malone. I don't know. But you know, he was he was he did his thing when he played back in the fifties and sixties. It's hard to do, but I just I try to balance it all to remember everybody and then acknowledge what we're watching right now. Well and I think the the one thing that that helps and I know for me that helped me appreciate some of those players are some of the older games, you know, that you see on ESPN Classic that the NFL Network will put on that, uh, you know, the NBA Network. So you can see the old – it's it's one thing to see highlights, but I think you really appreciate how great a player is if you can see them in the flow of a game. And – I remember I, I watched a, an old Cleveland Browns game that was on ESPN class. This has been a while ago with my dad, who, for his money, says Jim Brown is the best running back of all time. And, you know, I thought it was just an old man talking. But when you watch him play and you just see what he did against, you know, just how brutal the defenses were back then, then you can fully appreciate that player, uh, you know, 
if I had a son and maybe my daughters, I my the best running back I've ever seen. And I know you're an Emmitt Smith guy. I'm gonna say Barry Sanders because he did more with less than anybody I've ever seen. But when you see him, you know, in the flow of a game, two yard game, two yard game, you know, some of his three yard games were fantastic. You know, those are highlight runs for me, just him getting three yards. So I think as we have a better catalog of some of these games, uh, I think people will appreciate the players of our era versus, uh, you know, what we grew up with with just stories and statistics and, and, you know, numbers. They'll actually have some visual evidence to kind of link up. Here's how I do the the Emmett Barry deal. Um because as weird as it sounds, still don't know uh if I had to pick a a favorite Dallas Cowboy, I don't know. It should be Slam Dunk Emmett or Irvin or Aitman because that's that's my wheelhouse when I grew up. But I was already a fan of them even before I even knew them. You know, that's the, that's the only team, pro team, that me and my dad both root for. Uh, so I was watching, you know, uh, Tony Hill, Drew Pearson, Tony Dorsett, Utah Jones, Randy White. I really can't just pick a favorite cowboy. Like, when we talk in basketball, Dominique, we talk baseball, it's Dale Murphy. No arguments there. But, you know, Emmett is in the mix. Uh, and so I always looked at best running back I ever saw. I would I would I, I would pick Barry just from a pure running standpoint, from a pure get from point A to point B standpoint. As a Cowboys fan, I would still get that to Barry, and that's probably surprises a lot of people. From a complete back standpoint, I would go Emmett because I mean he would he would get you to run. But he could also uh, pick up the blitz a little better than Barry and catch out of the backfield a little bit better than Barry. Michelle Morton tweeting in Walter Payton and the Bears can't argue that at all. So I, that's how I always just kind of broke it down for myself. You know, I, I kind of gave a little love to both of them. And when we're talking total package, I will go Emmett. When we're talking about dazzling, breathtaking stuff, I will go Barry. And your dad sounded like. Barry Sanders' dad. You know, Barry Sanders' dad was all about some Jim Brown, and Barry is his own son. And he, he's like, "That's fine, but yo, yo, you ain't you ain't stopping Jim Brown." And so that's just kind of the way uh, I, I broke that down. Being a Cowboys fan. Yeah, and and that's what I was saying. When you can actually see these guys play, it's a whole lot different than just looking at their stats and, and that kind of thing, where you can really appreciate what, you know, what these guys are are doing. So, uh, thankfully, we've got some, uh, you know, video evidence. I'll tell you something, as a Dominique fan, that you would like. I watched a game. It was an, from 1982. It was North Carolina versus Georgia with that yeah. North Carolina team with Michael Jordan as a freshman playing Georgia, yeah. and, and, and it was James Worthy going against Dominique Wilkins. And oh. a play I will never forget that I don't know why it's not a highlight, 
James Worthy's driving the lane. Looks like he's got a layup. You know, kind of floats the shot up there. And from a standstill position, not a run and jump, a standstill position, Dominic Wilkins jumps and his shoulder gets to the rim and he blocks this shot. And it, I've seen a lot of basketball plays, but that is one, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? That's why I love those old games because, yeah, you know, the short shorts, they look hokey and all that kind of stuff. But you can really appreciate what those guys did. You know, and, and bring it back to a Kentucky kind of thing, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment and say Tyler Ulis is a great point guard because, like I said, we've, got, we've had some great point guards. I think Wayne Turner, criminally underrated. All the guy did was win. We could talk about his jump shot and, and his numbers may not have – but his teams won. Same way with Anthony Epps. Those two point guards, I think, get overlooked uh, by some of the people now. Um, but they were fantastic. I just don't want to get to the point where we're all about the now and we forget about what happened then. Uh, right. Because exactly. Although I will be a get off my lawn player, uh, player person, the 1996 Kentucky Wildcats still the best college team I have ever seen. Period. Period. Just, just period. I haven't seen any team come close. Even if last year's team went 40 and 0 and won it, I'm 96 until I die. Ooh. Yes, I I know, I know, but I I get off my lawn, that team, that team. (laughs) Give me that team in a a tournament with all the NCAA champions, that team wins, period. Period. And that's the team, that's the team of our generation, and it's, a lot of that probably has to do with at the age we were when we saw that team. Uh, because, I mean, if we're 20 years older, we're probably saying, you know, 78, still would do it, we'll take them. And then there's kids that are like 18 now that had they went 40 and old, they would be 20 years from now. You know, 2015, right or that, it's, it's, gener- it's, it's just, you know, generational. Uh, well, but 96 it, is, is, does get praised. For you know, uh, I mean, outside of Kentucky fans, just in the conversation, uh, media, other fans, or you know, however you want to, however you want to divide it up. And this came up last night during the game. I can't remember who I was tweeting with, but and I actually wrote a story about this team. And if I ever write a full book about Kentucky basketball, it's going to be on the 2002. 2003 team, which is the most overlooked team in Kentucky basketball history. For whatever reason, we like to think that Tubby, his run was basically he won with Patino's players, and then he was kind of mediocre. And I have always submitted that 2003, 4, and 5 it was just bad luck that we didn't get to the Final Four because those were three really good years. 
And yeah. I think that 2003 team that went, they did something the 96 team didn't do. They ran the table in the SEC regular season and the tournament. And I will go to my grave believing uh, a Keith Bogan sprained ankle uh, away from getting to the Final Four that year and Dwayne Wade playing possibly well. But that was a great team. And we don't talk about them like I think we should. Had that team done what they did almost anywhere else for any other school, they've got banners raised in their honor. That team was great. They were better than the sum of their parts. I think Chuck Hayes, Eric Daniels, interior passing with that high-low action, best passing big man tandem we've probably had at Kentucky. I just don't think that team gets enough praise like they should. Exactly. Exactly. And real quick, flipping to Kyrie, last week we talked about uh, Kyrie Irving in the bedbug situation at OKC. Now you're hearing reports and stuff about him not wanting to be in Cleveland, or, and he's saying he does. And uh, Bumani Jones on his show yesterday, day before yesterday, was talking about how LeBron is saying that uh, need uh, a little bit more from the point guard standpoint, the, the facilitator role. Uh, and Bumani pointed out, I think it was that Kyrie has 18 double doubles. This season, which from the point guard, you know, you should have a little more games than that with double-digit assists, considering how talented that team is. And, and Bomani went on a nice little rant uh, about how Kyrie's just always been about getting buckets. <laughs> he went all the way back to the game uh, when Kyrie, of course, missed half the season at Duke, his one year at Duke when he was hurt with a, a foot injury. But when he came back, in the tournament game, and Duke was getting blown out. I think he said, I think it was Arizona. But but yeah. Kyrie came in, and the game was in doubt. The game was no longer in doubt, and Kyrie got buckets. And you don't have the money talks. The Kyrie wasn't getting nobody, no buckets, wasn't getting them buckets for nobody but Kyrie. <laughs> he talked. He went on a whole long tangent about how pretty much you know Kyrie's all about just just scoring and not really worried about you know much else. Uh, and not having a lot of games with double-digit assists from the point guard position. You already gave him two strikes last week, (laughs) so you already let us know you weren't a fan. But for them to be such a good team in Cleveland, and now this stuff's starting to surface, and and pretty much they were a lot. You know, they just had to show up, and they are going to win the East. But Toronto... You'll beat them the other day. Toronto's only a couple games behind them for the number one overall seed. Should there be a little more reason to to worry in Cleveland or, or be concerned or kind of look at them with the stink eye with all this kind of stuff if there's truth to all this coming out? Here's the thing uh, about Kyrie. Some people play the point guard position because they love distributing to their teammates, and you can see that like a Magic Johnson, like a Tyler Eulis, uh, like a John Stockton. Uh, some people play the point guard position because the point guard gets to dribble the ball up the court and gets to run the plays. And Kyrie is one of the latter. That's what kind of irks me 
when you see a lot of people, they, they say they're point guards, but you're only getting three assists a game or four assists a game. That, that to me, is not a point guard. Yes, I, would, I like my point guards able to shoot and attack, but it's, it's when to do that. And the successful point guards know how to, to balance that. But if you've got a shoot, shoot, shoot point guard, uh, I don't think that does anybody any good. His stats look good, but if you're, you know, I'm always leery of a team whose leading scorer is a point guard because that's not, you know, that's not usually how that works. So, you know, I'm not a big Kyrie fan, and I didn't think he was that – he's a good player. I don't think he was that great coming out of Duke. I don't think he's been that great in Cleveland without LeBron. Uh and, and him not being happy in Cleveland, just that's a lot of red flags simply because yeah. when you're on a team with LeBron, you've got a shot. And, and if you're in the, uh, you know, any professional league, you would you want a shot at a championship. Uh, so that that's a red flag for me right there. It's, right. It's because he was there when they were winning, I don't know, what, 17 games a year, and now for him to still be reportedly, or as Jim Rome would say, allegedly unhappy and they're, you know, the the best team in the East, that is uh, <laughs> a knock or a, uh, I don't know, a bad a bad look. Yeah, this, to me that's a, that's a red flag. I, it, it, it just bothers me. When you see guys on teams that are are winning, are unhappy. That's what, again, is a, is a is a red flag to me. That this 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 what what are you really about? Are you just about your number? And that's look. If you are just about your numbers and just about getting a check, that's fine. But just say it. Just just say, you know. I'm just here. I'm six eight, and I like playing basketball. You know, and I'm good at basketball. And that's what I'm here for. That's fine. Say that, but don't tell me that you like winning, but you're complaining when you're on a winning team. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Real quick, I'm gonna switch to the NFL just for a second. Everybody's getting free agents uh, with frenzies. You know, in the in the midst of happening. Guys are getting franchise tags, and, and teams are going to worry, you know, to decide what they're going to do, and and all of that. And just a franchise tracker on NFL.com. It's just got the, uh, well, I guess, their ten most notable guys to get the franchise tag. And a lot of them are pretty obvious. Uh, Ashawn Jeffrey with the Bears, Josh Norman, the corner with the Panthers, Von Miller with the Broncos. Uh, Eric Berry with the Chiefs. The one I want to ask you about, Kirk Cousins getting the franchise tag, non-exclusive franchise tag with the Redskins worth $19.9 million. If you're the GM, are you franchising Kirk Cousins? If he's if you're Washington or if he's playing for your Niners, do you franchise him? Would you want him over Kaepernick? I'm just asking you all kinds of questions. What would you do if you're negotiating with Kirk Cousins? 
Yeah, I mean, you have to franchise because you, you, you pay them perhaps below market value uh, for this season because it's one of those things. Do it again. Show me you can do it again before we commit to you and, and give you this long-term deal uh, because it could be fool's goal. The NFC East was historically bad this year. And being the best of a historically bad division, yeah, you get in the playoffs, but you know, you know, if Romo comes back healthy, uh, the Cowboys will be better. Uh, different things like that. So I, I like it. I don't know that I would choose Cousins over Kaepernick, who is now his agents are, are looking for a trade. Um, yeah. And I was talking uh, – one of the guys in my barbershop is a, another 49ers fan. We were talking about that, just how the 49ers just, just fell off. You let Harbaugh walk. There's only like eight guys still on the roster from the Super Bowl team. And it's just – it's like, what what happened? I mean, just – I mean, usually you see – you know, and I would rather keep a team together too long than just blow it up or, or let it implode uh, on its own. That's That's me. Uh, but the, the NFL is just is just weird with the franchise tags and, and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if it'll ever move toward the baseball NBA model where the contracts are guaranteed, but they might eventually have to to change how the system is. Yeah, yeah. So it's always interesting to see. Uh, what happens and who does what, you know, in the weeks and months leading up to the draft. And um, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, I'm jaded because being a Cowboys fan, uh, I'm kind of just looking at Kirk Cousins sideways. Uh, you know, you got to give him credit. The division had to be won by somebody and, and, you know, they, they were there to do it, to take advantage. Um, so maybe they will do it again next year. Maybe, you know, Jay Gruden and, and Cousins will have some more magic, and it's, it's the start of a long-term coach-quarterback relationship. So we'll, that remains to be seen. Uh, but I've, I've had my doubts about the skins for years because, you know, they haven't given me reason to change my mind about them. Uh, but congrats on the division this year, and, and we'll see what happens with them next year. And we'll see where RG3 goes and, who moves and who shakes and if Peyton Manning going to retire and, and all that. We'll know all that real soon. Um, but it was fun just to hit that for a quick minute. Um, Michelle says that she is adding, of course, she watches Big Blue Views with uh, our friends Michelle Brown and Kristen York on Mondays, and now she's adding Cast Talk Wednesday to her Wednesday night, hashtag Sports Radio Junkie. So, uh cool that we got a new listener and glad that she enjoyed the show and uh, hope that she'll be enjoying tuning in next Wednesday uh, as well. She just tweeted us a minute ago talking about that she enjoyed the show. So uh, we appreciate that. Appreciate you. And uh, March Madness is here, TV. Got LSU Saturday, uh, Senior Day, Alex Poitras, uh, possibly Tyler Eulis and then whoever else is departing. But um, LSU is a mess. This was before losing Keith Hornsby. Um, 
you know, they they've just been struggling and, and gonna be in the NIT, you know, they got Ben Simmons. It's a revenge game for the Cats, who lost by eighteen down in Baton Rouge. Um so, you know, we look to see a little payback against them. And Johnny Jones will probably have a lot of explaining to do. And then we'll move right on into the um, the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry, the SEC tournament. Then the NCAAs. It's all it's all happening. UK Invitational. Yes, I'm sorry. That is right. That is right. <laughs> and and this where when this the team is finally it's time to get traction uh, and and put themselves in position for that tournament run. The UK Invitational is the springboard for the deep tournament run. Exactly right. Exactly. And. The next two weeks, it will be your show. Uh, I'm going to be going the next two Wednesdays. My my wife won a cruise where she works at, uh, at American Eagle, had a contest that she won for the way they finished out her sales in December leading up to the holidays. And so the managers win cruises. So we're going to cruise next week. And then I got a special meeting I have to attend the following Wednesday. So the listenership may go up with me out of the way. So I might have been <laughs> holding you back all this time. So the next two weeks, and, and next week, I don't even think I if, if we'll have a signal when we port, but we're out to see it won't be a signal at all. So uh, when we port, I'll check the phone and check the TV and, and check what's going on with the cats and all that. But you have done your thing on this show with Eve before. So, um, uh, Michelle will probably call in. Michelle Morton, our new listener, will probably be like, golly, I thought it was good last week, but now that Benny dude's out the way, it's even better. So, uh, <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to try to line up some some uh, uh, guests. I've, I've already dropped some hints, you know, some friend of the show, uh, uh, Matt May and Fake Jamel and some other folks. So we'll see how it we'll see how it goes. Oh, it'll go good. It will go good. It's uh it's always fun. Uh, it's a little, it's nerve wracking to to do it for the full two hours solo. As a couple times I've done it, and there's times where you've done it, um, and it's even more nerve wracking if you do a straight two hour show without any guests. And you know, we both done that as well. Um, well, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm gonna try to have guests. <laughs> Right, and now so the last time you did it, you just rolled. You just rolled. You, the year in show just used straight two hours. I think me personally, I think it's harder. There's a couple times where I've done it without any guests, and I'm like, ooh, I gotta, gotta come up with something for two hours. Where, uh-huh. and this show we get listeners, but it's not a call heavy show. We don't get a lot of callers. Uh, from time to time, we do. So uh, that even adds to the challenge as well to go straight two hours without callers. And without a guest, but we've both done it. So, you know, hats off to us. If we want to take a minute and toot our horns, hats off, we've done it. And I know you'll do your thing. It'll be great uh, next week and the week after. And when I get a signal, I'll pop it in, listen to the show, and, and see all the fun that I missed. <laughs> all right, another good show. Uh, like I said, Cats, looking forward to Senior Day and then looking forward to the UK Invitational. Yes. Gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, have fun next week, man. Appreciate you holding it down like you always do. 
and I'll be back on this show on the 23rd. So, man, do your thing like you will always do. And uh, we'll holler at everybody. TV next week, and then I'll be back when I get back. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Michelle Morton, new listener. Glad you enjoyed the show, as well as everybody else that listens. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Have a good rest of the evening. This is Vinnie Hardy for Terry Brown on Cash Talk Wednesday. Have a good night. This is the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com. Have a good evening, everybody.